is swag? If I ain't swag? Who is swag? If I ain't swag? Swag. Who is swag? Baby. Who is swag? Who is? Who is swag? Oh, who, who, who? I wake up motivated. 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 I wake up trying to bless somebody, inspire somebody, encourage somebody, help somebody to the next level. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the student of the game. I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game. And listen, if you're here, chances are you like talking sport. We're glad you're here to do it with us here tonight. Of course, (laughs) all sorts of college football, NFL week one, and all the other stuff to get into here uh, on the evening. Just so many things to react to. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of what I've gone through here talking about it with um, Big Jim, uh, CEO Big Jim Niece, and the Huddle Up podcast, as well as EJ Christian and the Student Game Report. But so many things going on <laughs> that we've been going through. And uh, basically, uh, l- let me get into it this way. By the way, I uh, hope you're enjoying the stream here through the Huddle Up Podcast Inc. or uh, on YouTube. Of course, you may also be enjoying it through Sertoba Media on YouTube, where the struggle is real to be awesome. Of course, the A7B in sports and Student of the Game Facebook pages, as well as my Twitter and st- Twitch accounts at the SOTG. And of course, if you miss all that and still want to listen to it live rather than on a podcast or any of your podcast catchers, check out oldschool101.com, 12 noon on Sunday leading up to the NFL football game. Here's the thing. The th- Why is it that we have to always analyze things in terms of the negative, right? Now, I I get it. There's no positive in the Giants giving up 40 points while being goose-egged. You know, I I can understand that approach. So the tape away. I get it. You're a Steeler fan. It's kind of hard to find a positive. A Bengal fan, even for that matter, even though, you know, the the Bengals, for some reason, seem to have to try to come into every season with some sort of adversity, be it an appendectomy or an an ACL tear, but some sort of a, a, a... Leg injury here in this case to when Joey Bear. That's all fine. But so here's the thing. The Monday night game, and I want to talk too much about the Chiefs and the Lions yet. Uh we're gonna have um we're gonna have Wild Card Mar of the IOW Sports Show here on um soon enough to talk plenty of Chiefs in that action. I, I don't want to go too soon on that. And for those of you that are non-believers, of course, I've heard to no one, none other than Lamar Wallace. So, by the way, look out for him on Play Caller's uh, matchup, uh, matchup mania there that you'll find on YouTube as well. But Monday night, you know, Aaron Charlay Rodgers and his big injury has been the talk of the town in a large way um, in the NFL. 
I'm not going to go and be truly cynical with the I tried to tell you, but but you wouldn't listen concept there. Um, those of us here on this show, me, <laughs> saw Aaron Charles Rodgers as kind of an injury risk. After all, he was getting injured during preseason. And, oh, by the way, has a bad offensive line. Three snaps in, I was told that you could be, you could see the uh, impact that the line had on the situation. And, well, then the fourth the fourth sack happened, or not sack, but fourth snap happened, and, well, the rest is history, unfortunately. And I don't want to be one of these that's, you know, uh, speculating whether um, Rogers' career is over or any of that stuff. That's not what I'm here to do. What I am here to talk about is the Jets' defense. Now, I know everybody's taking their opportunities to take shots and criticize Josh Allen. Hey, listen, I'm not against that. Everybody seems to forget <clears throat> that I was the dude that called Stephon Diggs the most valuable offensive player on the Bills for the past couple of years since he arrived. I have video evidence of that fact. Granted, nobody uses haps anymore that I'm aware of, so nobody else has seen that video, I don't think. But I can guarantee that it exists. But instead of focusing how bad Josh Allen was, why are we talking enough about how good this Jets defense was? And that's really the crime here. Sure, nobody wanted to see Aaron Charles Roger get hurt. I get that. But the real crime is the rest of the personnel may have actually looked like it's been there. We're going to see a situation we haven't seen the likes of which since Jameis Winston was in Tampa and did what he did with that roster. And they were in that place where, like, hey, we have this roster. All we need is a really good quarterback. Matter of fact, we have an opportunity of getting an aging all-time great. At least that's what Tampa did and ended up a Super Bowl with it. The Jets, it would appear, did or attempted to do the very same thing. And I cannot fault them for that, except for one in particular flaw. What I remember about the Jets draft, or excuse me, the Bucks draft, is a clip during the draft of an offensive lineman prospect jumping out of the pool while in the water, showing off his massive strength and skills and agility all in one fell swoop. It wasn't just some sort of like, you know, it, this isn't like pool aerobics like my mom does, okay? No. <laughs> Tristan Wirfs was one of the big reasons that that group was successful. And the Jets kind of opted to omit that part. Meh. It's A.A. Ron. He'll be fat, right? We got a good running game. And, you know, in his late 20s, heck, he would lead the Packers in rushing yards sometime. Oof. And you're also aware how much your turf stinks and you still thought that was a plan. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I still want to give credit to this Jets defense and what they can do and what a year they'll have. Will they win the Super Bowl? Probably not. But I didn't think the Jets were going to win the Super Bowl anyway, but I'm not prepared to put them out of playoff contention yet. I'm not going to guarantee they make the playoffs. I'm not here for hot takes like Big Jim Nieces of the Huddle Up podcast. Bing! But I think somebody needs to throw some loves at these cats because they have a potential to be a really awesome story. And unfortunately, unless something amazing happens, like Zach Wilson evolves suddenly to being the prospect I never thought he could be. That's right. I said it. They're going to be in a whole lot of trouble. But enough about things that are in a whole lot of trouble. Let's talk about how things are going well in another form of football. We'll get back to the NFL later. I've seen too much 
awesome stuff that I'm still trying to make sense of in college football, and I needed a great college football mind to discuss it with. And I have the advantage of being locally with one, the Orlando Sentinel Zone, Matt Merchell. What's going on, buddy? Not much. How are you doing tonight? Hey, listen, man. I just wanted to lead with some positivity because all I've heard is like, oh, this team was so bad. First of all, everybody stopped criticizing the 49ers. Notice how that happened there, Matt? I just, you know, all of a sudden we're trying to fire people. And now, wait, who are the 49ers? What happened? Anyways, no, I I, I homered a little bit. My bad. But, I, you know, there, I just there's so much to be positive about. And yet, I mean, I know doom and gloom sells papers, but dang it. You know, anyways. Um, Listen, man, and, and and I don't know if you heard me open with the uh, the Deion Sanders remix uh, open because he is officially two and zero now, and and I just wanted to jump through this with you real quick, just on a couple things. Um, it, how impressed are you with what you're seeing out of the Buffalo in two games uh, in a two game uh, sample size? Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm impressed. I mean, listen, anytime you can re you know rework your roster, I think it was you know, 60, 70, 80% of it is transfers. I mean, um, you know, it, it's, it's an impressive because I think the hardest thing to build on a team is chemistry mm-hmm. and, you know, and to do that with, with guys who are all over the country and you brought them in and you said, okay, you've got, you know, three, four months to get them together and, and get them ready to go. I mean, that's impressive to me. I mean, and, and they've looked good at times, but there's also cracks in the armor. I mean, I've, I've been telling people this for the last couple of days. You, I've got people who say, you know, Colorado's going to win the national championship. And I'm like, <laughs> you got to pump the brakes on that, man. I mean, listen, you know, uh, Shador Sanders has been sacked 11 times in two games. He got sacked seven times against Nebraska. Their offensive line is not great. And, you know, I mean, he, and he can't take a beating like that. You know I mean? He's just, right. It's not going to last that long. Yes, they've got talent. Travis Hunter is amazing and he does amazing things. And I've got other players who are really talented on that roster, but they haven't been tested yet. I mean, I know, listen, TCU is a good team again, but not really. Wait till they get to USC. Wait till they get to, you know, Oregon, which, right. which who they're going to face in a couple weeks. Wait till they get to, you know, the part of the Pac 12, which has eight teams. That's right, eight teams ranked right now in the <laughs> top 25. So I think there's going to be challenges there. You know, I mean, I think there's going to be challenges they're going through. But it's impressive. I mean, listen, he's 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 got the team excited. He's got the fan base excited. He's got national media talking about. It. I mean, Fox just does backflips. I mean, they put them on basically every week now. Um, so it's it's worked out well for them, you know. And now all of a sudden you're hearing people claiming, "Oh, now Dion wants to go to the NFL. He's going to go to the NFL and be the Cowboys coach in a couple of years." It's like <laughs> let, let the guy just have a, some time to get the the Colorado program together. But uh, it, it's been impressive. But I'm. I'm not on the bandwagon of let's let's say Colorado's going to win the Pac-12 and, and 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 get to the college football playoff this year. Yeah, and and, and I, I have to admit I, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a loss because I haven't I haven't knee jerked that much, but I will tell you what I do like. Okay, I like that Shador Sanders is at least getting Heisman consideration. Do mm-hmm. I think he should win it today? No, there's still a couple dudes like you know Michael Penix and maybe you heard of this Williams kid out in USC. I I, I get that, you know. Um, I would give him more votes than, let's say, a Jordan Travis, for example, uh, with, with Shador Sanders. You know, I, I get that he's been impressive, but and, and, and I, I see you wincing a bit, but where's the competition? You know, Jordan Travis did it against LSU as well. That definitely deserves consideration. But I don't dislike that he's on the list. No. You know, oh, they're going to win the national championship. I'm with you. That's nuts. But they're eight. They're in the top 18. I don't dislike that 
I get that they're probably there because of popularity, right? Coaches, coaching trees are a thing. And if you're as popular as Dion is, I don't care how old you are or aren't, you know, you people know who you are, right? I, I mean, we talk about uh, Gus Malzahn over at UCF having his own coaching tree that branches out. Dion has the same sort of thing, except, well, listen, I, I don't think at a party anybody, anybody's going to confuse who's going to be more fun, whether it be Coach Prime or Coach Gus. And I don't even think Gus would take that any offense, even though Coach Prime imitated UCF with the whole QR code on the jersey thing. But whatever. The, the punchline being, exactly. though, the reason why I like it the most is if they do Nick's bow against Oregon, see what I did there, Matt, and somehow, by some miracle, on some distant planet, on some distant day, take down USC, I think they should at least be in the top 10 for a while until they actually do blow a game, which they, you know, one has to think they're going to, right? This is a team where the over and under, over under was four and a half. Like, it's going to happen, right? You know, yeah. but... Well, I mean, I, I thought against Nebraska, you know, I mean, they, the Nebraska, if Nebraska's offense have played anywhere, you know, competent, you know, I mean, like they, if Jeff Sims isn't fumbling the ball every two minutes, you know, <laughs> I, I think Nebraska could have made that game a lot closer. You know, I mean, it was really close in the first half. You remember that. And, and then yeah. the second half, they just kind of poured on. They're going to face a team that, that you know, like I said, the, the USC's, the, you know, the, the uh, Oregon's maybe put some points up early, build up a little bit of a lead and then make them come from behind. And that's where the challenge is. That's what I told someone the other day. I want to see them face adversity. I want to yeah. see them what happens when they get a loss. How does this team react? You know, I mean, it's it's not just we were the best thing in the world. It's all of a sudden now you got to find a way to react and come back from that. And I think that's going to be the challenge. And and you know, it's and especially if they lose two or three games, that's when all of a sudden you you, you start to change your priorities a little bit as a team. And you think, okay, we can't go to the playoff. And okay, we or we may not be in the mix for the Pac-12. What do you kind of What's what's there to play for outside of yourselves and your teammates? So that's where I want to see where this team kind of can rise up and maybe get to that next level. I still think Colorado's maybe three years away. I mean, at two or maybe two years. I mean, again, he's going to hit the portal again on the off season. Sure. They're going to add more pieces. He's going to recruit and get the kids to come there. I think they'll be on the cusp every year, at least for the next couple of years. But we're talking Colorado football. We haven't done that since Rashawn Salam, you know, was 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 playing and and, and doing his his bit. And, and, you know, Colorado was beating Michigan, you know what I mean? So that's something that's important for Colorado. It's important for college football in a lot of ways. I mean, I know the big play I remember is Cordell Stewart with that bomb, right? You know, that's, that's, I know it's going way back, Matt, but like, listen, I know I, I, the last thing I'll say about this is, is you mentioned the facing of adversity. I kind of think that's what we saw with Nebraska because they're such a different style team than any big 12 team. I know they play in the pac 12, but now for now, but hear me out. Like, you know, they're not the Big 12 is not known for physical play foremost, whereas the Big Ten is and give what you will about uh, about Nebraska's offense um, up front on defense. They were stout and I just didn't think they knew how to handle that yet. And then they made that adjustment and still won convincingly. I'm with you, though, until they do battle with Oregon. I'm not ready to join any of the, uh, you know, national competitor talk yet, but. I'm every bit impressed. And it's such a great story, man. Like this, this is, this is the springboard to the first step. Let's keep him out of the NFL for a while. And who knows? You're assuming Dion wants to go to the NFL. I've heard no indication. If he's truly into motivating young men, what the hell would he do in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think an NFL type 
the, the, the rumors and stuff you're hearing this year. I, I mean, that's just what happens when yeah. coaches have success. And then, you know, someone says, well, listen, his personality would be great in the NFL. Not really. I don't, I don't know if it would fit well in the NFL, to be honest with you. Because, again, what attracts the young men to his program is, the, is his personality and his dynamic. And his, it's Dion and it's, you know what I mean? And then they want to play for you. That's not going to happen in the NFL. NFL, you've got a general manager who signs a player. The player shows up. He's getting a contract. He's going to play however he wants to play because he's getting paid to do it. And he doesn't really care if it's Dion or not. You know, he's just trying to find out where am I going to win? You know what I mean? In the NFL, that's when coaching really becomes a key aspect. It's not personality so much as it is you actually are good. You have to be a good coach to win in the NFL. There's a reason why Bill Belichick has so many rings on his fingers because he understands how to coach. He understands what's necessary. You may not like the guy, but the, and he has no personality maybe, but that's fine. He wins games, you know what I mean? And so that's where I think Dion fits better in college football landscape because especially with a transfer portal NIL world, because he really fits into that kind of, you know, really outside personality, boisterous personality that I think people and, and kids and athletes really kind of gravitate towards. So um, since you mentioned Belichick, I'm going to go ahead and take this opportunity to dad, my dad joke myself into the segue here. We're on to Tallahassee. Uh, let's talk some FSU, man. Cause listen, I, I know it's been a couple weeks um, since we saw the camping world kickoff uh, that took place here, neutral side, Orlando, whatever. And they did what they did against LSU. I was thoroughly impressed. Jordan Travis did Jordan Travis things. I, I like that. Their receiver core. There will that guy Wilson is six seven. And he wasn't even the biggest factor in the game at receiver. Whoa, you know. But what impresses me is that defensive front. Man, listen, if you can get pushed like that against an SEC team, I'm thoroughly impressed. Um, but let me here's where I'm at. My here's my conspiracy theory. And you've been on this show where I've I've supplanted my my uh respect for the ACC, or should I say, indulged my lack thereof. But I think Dabo's, I think Dabo Sweeney's the biggest obstacle to the Seminoles getting to a playoff in that he let his old age point of view take over. Clemson's now struggling, and they were the one big nationally ranked preseason team left on FSU's schedule, which means at this point, Matt, not only is the margin of error so small, in other words, I feel like they have to kind of clean up at this point to prevent, like, a, let's say, a second SEC team or a second uh, Big Ten team to come in, especially if Ohio, Ohio State beats Notre Dame this weekend, which I know that's not a lot, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, um, I think that puts FSU in a horrible position to where they have to be that perfect. Am I off my rocker here? No, I, I think they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to play well, you know what I mean? But they are going to be games. I think they are going to be challenges. Listen, I'm still not 100% sold that they pummel, you know, Clemson, you know I mean? I think, I think Jabbo Sweeney is a good coach and I think he's going through some struggles and some of those are self-inflicted. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you, you kind of turn your back on the transfer portal with this idea that, Oh, it's not really going to, it's, it's not what I want to do. Well, listen, even Nick Saban's embraced the transfer portal. I mean, he's right. figured out, you're going to have to find a way to get players in there. And I think that's, what's hurting Clemson right now is they've, they've lacked some areas where they could have developed some guys They could have brought in some experienced guys from the portal, which would have helped them. So, but I'm I'm looking at this. I think Florida State's biggest challenge could be Duke. Could be the Duke. Could be Duke. It could be you know a team that no one is talking about. But Duke has looked really good. You know, they're, they're Riley Leonard's a great quarterback. I think Mike Elko is a defensive minded guy. He's going to find a way to make it challenge. That's going to be a challenge for them. And I think Miami 
Everyone's talking now, okay, well, now Mario's back and everything, and Miami's back. So wait and see what happens there. But, you know, for Florida State, they have to kind of navigate the schedule. They got to make sure that they, when they win, they win as, as, as well as they can. Um, and and they got to look impressive. You're right. You know, you talk about until you get to the and you know, late October when they start doing the college football playoff rankings, you know, you're, you're just going to have to kind of keep your way up there. And I think the ACC has a problem when you look at how many teams are in the, in the rankings. I mean, really outside of Clemson and, and, you know, Florida state and, 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 you know, Duke, I mean, it's not like they're, they've got power teams where the SEC has so many and the big 10 has a lot. And, you know, even the PAC 12 now. Um, so Florida state's going to have to find a way to really kind of become that elite team again and be the voice of the ACC right now. And there's going to be some, like I said, there's going to be some challenges. They've got to avoid a disastrous letdown somewhere, you know, like, like this weekend going up to Boston college where, you know, they got storm issues to deal with and hurricane Lee and everything like that. They've got to avoid something happening where they just, you know, lay an egg. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're all that goodwill you've built up falls out the door. They got to get to that Clemson game and that Duke game and then see where it kind of goes from there. Yeah, that, that, that's a fair point. I, and I, I, I'm not sure who they play leading into um, Duke or Clemson, but yeah, I mean, if they lost the colleges this weekend, that's oh, okay. So that, oh, and then I, they I, go to, and then they go to, to Clemson. So that's, oh, that's I three be. weeks away. Okay. Yeah. Then, then exactly. So then, yeah, BC yeah. has trap game written all over and I totally get that. You know, I, I would get Admiral Akbar down, but I don't want to interrupt <laughs> the show too much. Um, see, no, he's right up there. The figurine. I'm just saying, there you that go. Was, no, but, um, and listen, uh, then you throw in our local tie. I mean, you got Tommy, uh, Castellanos, who's, who's the Boston college quarterback. I mean, who knows? I mean, you never know what's going to happen. The guy who came in and really kind of ignited Boston college's offense last weekend as his first start. I mean, who knows what could happen? I mean, you know, it's, it all it takes is a little blip here or there. Next thing you know, you're, you're, you, you stumbled in, as you mentioned, a trap. Good gravy. Can you ima- can you imagine FSU alums like already being worried about getting less TV money than UCF then Castellanos beats them? Oh, I don't even want to think about that. Anyways, uh, with all that in mind, um, yeah, you, you mentioned Cristobal earlier. I'll touch on that. How much is that Miami being back? Well, okay, let's not say Miami back. That's I, Texas did more to convince me they're back this week than Miami did, okay? Um, ironically involving another Texas team. But um, is that more about uh, Cristobal's ascension as it is uh, um, Jimbo Fisher's kind of decline out there? Because And based on his buyout, it doesn't feel like he's going to go anywhere. But, like, which do you think – there's always elements of both in situations like that. But which do you more kind of attribute it to? I more attribute to, to Mario. I'm, I, I think that he did some good things in the offseason. I think, you know, when they had to make some moves on, on the coaching staff, they brought in a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. I think their offense is a lot more diverse than it was last year. I think Tyler Van Dyke looks like the player he was, you know, two years ago when he was ACC freshman of the year. Um, you know, they did a good job of protecting him. He's been able to find his receivers. They've, uh, you know, had a lot of versatility and, and, and lack of their uh, special teams as well. They're running the football. I think defensively they did a good job of putting pressure on Texas A&M front. So I think they, they've done the things that they needed to do, you know, to, to make those adjustments. I think they also upgraded, you know, some of the positions. You know, we talk about another UCF player. You know, look at Matt Lee. Matt Lee comes in at center. He provides them a lot of stability in the middle of the offensive line. They kind of needed some of that to fill some holes. So that's what Mario's done really well. I think Jimbo's issue is I just think that one of the things that he struggled with, and I don't necessarily don't know if it's if it's fault so much, but you know, they haven't developed a quarterback. He's been there for so long. And that's been one of the things that when they when they hired him, 
they figured, okay, he's going to sit back and develop these quarterbacks and they're going to be great. It just seems like he hasn't been able to pick a guy or they have been able to, to get a guy who's come in and fit the system really well. Um, and their offense just a struggle. I mean, at times, and Bobby Petrino was brought in to be offensive coordinator. People, you know, are stunned to see him come back and, and college football. And it's good. And, you know, and they haven't really necessarily gelled as well. But you're right. That buyout's big. But let's not forget, Texas A&M boosters and donors have lots of money. If they really want to get rid of Jimbo, they'll they'll do the buyout. But the, I always bring this fa- the factor up is who do you bring in to replace Jimbo? Hmm. Because, I mean, it's not like all – unless you can find another big-name coach or someone you feel like is going to fit that program well, who do you – you know, you're not going to go out and hire a G5 coach and bring him in there and try to make him, you know, maybe successful, unless it's some really successful G5 coach. I just think if you're one of those guys and you win eight or nine games, I think that's just who you are as Texas A&M. Eventually, you're going to have to find a way to, to, to get over that hump because, believe me, you got Texas and Oklahoma coming in, and that just adds more to the pie and makes things a lot more difficult. You know, keeping it in the state, and we kind of mentioned him in passing at least twice. I, 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 UCF did an impressive stuff, in my opinion, overcoming all the, albeit self-inflicted wounds, beating Boise State, a program, a program that is famous for being a giant killer in position to kill UCF. Now, finally, a giant, right? But they managed to survive. Um, but I'm going to call one of those. It's one of those I call a Bunker Hill victory. Uh, you know, Matt, with with JRP going down. I mean, John Rice Plumley. Y- you like that he doesn't have surgery, but you know, I- I'm pretty sure UCF would have preferred to have him to debut Big Twelve play. Um, but that being said, UCF. I, I think it is. They're 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 statistically awesome on defense. Which, I mean, credit to that uh, defensive front. But I had with these first, assuming they take care of business against Villanova. With Timmy McLean at quarterback, going into going into Big Twelve play at three and zero, you got to admit that's a healthy start for them to at least eventually get bowl eligibility, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's got to be Gus's goal. That must have been his goal. Was listen, we got to go three and zero. We go three and zero. We go to Kansas State. Okay, we know a top fifteen team. You know, defending Big Twelve champions. If something happens, we don't win that game. We're three and one. Okay. And then you look at the schedule and think, okay, we got Baylor. You know, Baylor's a team that struggled. I mean, it's, before the season started, I don't think you're you're thinking that. You got Kansas. Kansas looks good. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be a challenge on the road again. You got Oklahoma. That's going to be good. Um, so there's games I'm sure you pick and think, okay, this is going to help us out. Well, then you think you're going to have John Rice Plumley when that happens. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you're looking at the fact you got you got to deal with a with a backup, and we don't know how long John Rice is going to be out. I mean, the Gus says a few weeks, you know, but you know a few weeks could be five weeks, you know, six weeks. I mean, it could be half the season. I mean, depending on what's going on. I mean, um, obviously it didn't require surgery, whatever it is. So it can't be any sort of tear. So my guess is it's probably just some sort of swelling in the knee or some, some something like that. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so don't take right. Don't take my, I mean, and, and all we know is, and Gus wouldn't even really say it was the knee. I asked him specifically and he, he kind of got knee and then he changed in mid sentence and said, but it's a leg injury. So, I mean, I'm assuming it's the knee, but, Again, so we just don't know. So, you know, the reason they got Timmy McLean was that uh, they wanted him to step in and, and, and they wanted an experienced guy to be the backup. Um, I think he's going to do fine. I mean, I, I think he, I think it's, and I think the best possible scenario in this is them playing Villanova this weekend. Right. Because he gets to go out and really kind of see how things are going, work out any sort of maybe, you know, timing issues, work out any sort of issues with the offense. And, you know, if they put some points up this weekend, that'd be great. And then you go on the road and you see what happens. And I mean, 
Um, you know, yeah, being three and zero, great way to start, and halfway there to bowl eligibility. And I think then you start maybe you're, there's some games that maybe you can pick and choose and win, not pick and choose, but you can win some games maybe on the schedule that maybe can get you closer to that mark as well. So um, it's, I mean, I were, listen, UCF hasn't been three and zero since 2019. So, you know, that's something that they're really going to have to, to try to go for as a big mark. Uh, and, and they've done it with the offense and, and the defense as well. I was doing some research today, Kyle, and, you know, their defense right now has only given up 22 points in the first two games. There's only like 16 other teams in the country that have done that. And among those teams are Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State. So they're in a kind of elite group when you're talking about, like, their, how their defense is played uh, up front. And I think that's one of the key issues, one of the key reasons why they are where they are now. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, listen, not for nothing. I know I often make the joke with some of my other guys that, you know, uh, the big 12 is where defense goes to die. But if UCF has a defensive front like this, it makes them somewhat unique within the uh, conference in question. So I, I think it's an interesting approach. It's just unfortunate. We won't get a true experiment like we're talking about here with Plumlee missing X games. And the last thing, UCF wants to do is set up a scenario where where uh, John Rice starts a game but then has to like basically leave early or is only so effective, i.e. Uh, the bowl game against Duke or even last year against USF, which speaking of USF, they're about to get obliterated by Bama in angry fashion. What did you think of Texas uh, <laughs> overcoming Bama? I, I kind of saw it coming, but it's still a big deal, right? Oh, yeah, very big deal. I mean, listen, you talk about wins that – I mean, not I'm not even talking about the wins specifically. You needed something to boost that program. And, and, you know, I think Steve Sarkeesian knows they're on the right track. But going to Alabama and winning in a place that's one of the hardest places to win in college football, to do it against a team like, you know, Alabama, I mean, that was impressive. I mean, you know, they took care of the football as much as they could. Their defense was outstanding. You saw how they got after – you know, uh, Jalen Milrow, you know, they really kind of made it difficult on him. You know, I think Alabama's got issues, you know, way issues when it comes to their their offensive line and some other areas. But you know, Texas was able to take advantage of that. And, and you know, now they, they kind of can move forward and say, okay, you know, they're not going to use the word back phrase, but they're going to go out there and they'll try to see what they can do. And and they're, they're clearly looking like the favorite in, in the Big 12. Now, what they have to avoid is, is like we talked about earlier with, you know, with some of these other teams is, you don't want to. You don't want a trap game. You don't want to go into somewhere where you think you're you're better than that and you'll lose. I mean, look, go back to uh, Texas. You know, I was last year where they started out like six and zero. You know, and then you know they ran in Oklahoma and then it just it all fell apart. The wheels fell off the thing and they and they finished you know barely uh, uh barely above five hundred. That's kind of what you don't want to see happen. You know, I mean, and I think that's so having a win like this really kind of solidifies what you're trying to do. Um, and you know, and again. It also shows that, like I mentioned, Alabama's got a lot of problems, and it's going to be interesting to see Alabama. You mentioned them going to, to USF this weekend. They're going to take out a lot of their pain this weekend in Tampa, believe me. And I know USF fans are thinking, yeah, we got a chance. But, I mean, I, I believe that, that Nick Saban is probably – he's going to let it all hang out on that game and, and try to put up as many points to build confidence in his team and to quiet maybe the, the, the people who keep saying the Alabama dynasty is over. Yeah, and, and you got to. And, and frankly, I don't think it's about the Bama dynasty over. I think it's about the rest of the country catching up. This is a situation that's more yeah. like the dream team in, in uh, basketball on the world stage than it is about anybody declining. Heck, I, I think Joel Klatt put it best. They're plateauing. They're not declining. Everyone yeah. else is just getting better. I, I, I say, Anyways, before before we completely get out of the state here, and, and, and I, I neglected to bring up Billy Napier, uh, Florida soon to face Tennessee this weekend. Um, 
listen, with no disrespect to Josh Heupel and the volunteers, I'm I'm not sure they're an 11th ranked team, but I am pretty sure that Billy Napier is going to have his hands full doing battle with them. I um, What's your take on that particular game, man? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, again, one thing that's impressed me about Josh Heupel teams, even when he's at UCF and, and even now last year at Tennessee is, they're a fast-paced team. They're going to throw the ball downfield. They're going to want to move the ball up and down the field. I don't know if Florida's equipped to handle that. You know, I mean, it's not like they're a team that, you know, they've got good defensive players. But, you know, listen, when you've got to kind of, you know, up and down the field, it, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. And I don't know if, if, if Florida's offense, you know, can be that kind of offense. You know, I mean, it's got to be in a shootout. I mean, Graham Mertz is fine. I mean, he's, he's, he's serviceable. And, I mean, that's never a phrase you want to use when you're looking at a drafted quarterback is he's serviceable. But, I mean, you know, he's out there doing what he needs to do. But they need to run the football. I mean, I think everyone kind of tends to forget that, Billy Napier's kind of resume has been built on running the football. Those are his offenses. And then he works that passing game around that with play action, RPOs, those kind of things to mix that in. But if you can't run the football, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it makes you one-dimensional. Then teams can really take advantage of that. So I think that helps Florida, obviously, to be at home in the swamp. They'll have the crowd. My thing is I think Florida has to jump out early. I think they have to, they have to grab the, the, the early lead. I think they have to get the crowd into the game. They got to kind of put you know Tennessee back on its heels a little bit, and then I think maybe they can kind of find a way to try to win that game. But if if Tennessee comes out and just you know goes up early and starts throwing the ball around the field, even running the game, that's something that that that, that a lot better job this year is running the football. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't know how Florida stays in this game. I mean, it, it, they just don't have that kind of high powered offense. This isn't a 40, 50 point you know type of of offense. You know, so they're going to have to keep it close. Yeah, I what was it? I think I think Florida's already getting a touchdown at least um, from what I saw too. So yeah, there's no surprise there. Um, one last thing before I let you go, man, and and, and this I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this yet, um, but at this point I feel well justified in the preseason. I said that. Listen, everybody knows Caleb Williams is probably going to win the Heisman, even though it's the second time and it's difficult. Blah blah blah. But. If that defense at USC has has improved as much as alleged and they don't need him to bomb 60 or 70 points every week, that's an exaggeration, obviously, to win the game, his stats will be a little lower, possibly. This is see, this is the data man thinking the conspiracy theory. If all that happens, I got Michael Penix as a dark horse candidate out of Washington as a Heisman. Am I out of my mind? No, I mean the, the Washington's offense. You know, um, Kalen DeBoer, you know the 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 coach at Washington is known for producing high powered offenses. You know, he did it at Fresno State. You know, he's got really he's developed quarterbacks. They put up big numbers. I mean, look at guys like Derek Carr. I mean, you know, when he was, I mean, so Michael Penix fits that model. I mean, and I think he can with that offense, he can put up a lot of points. And the only thing that's unfortunate for him is he plays in the West Coast. Yes. And, you know, a lot of East Coast Heisman voters just don't have chance to sit there and watch some of these West Coast Pac-12 games. So um, he's luckily had a couple early games. I think that's going to help him out as well. Um, but, you know, there's going to be other there are other players who are going to kind of make a big push. You know, we talked about – you mentioned Jordan Travis. If, if Florida State looks good and rolls past Clemson and Duke and looks good and he's and, and looks good on that front, he's going to get a lot of, of, of look on that as well. Oh, yeah. If, yeah, and if, if North Carolina continues to run, I mean, you know, Drake May could get some good looks. Um, I, I think they're guys right now that are just kind of Marvin Harrison Jr. We haven't had a wide receiver in a while. He's a guy for Ohio State who could really be a, a guy who gets a lot of attention um, if they come out and, and continue to run well. So 
there's there's teams right now, I think, that you're seeing that they're guys where could could can make a move, but I think you're not crazy at all for Penix being, I mean, a Heisman winner. I mean, he's got the he can put up the numbers, and if they can go undefeated or they can get to the, the Pac-12 championship and even somehow get into the, the playoff mix, I mean he's gonna be right there. Mm-hmm. But I said the one that the one thing that detracts on that has always been the East Coast. You'll get East Coast guys who just they're old, old scribes, <laughs> old voters who will go to bed at 10 o'clock at night on East Coast and, and and not watch a late Washington game because they don't think, you know, they think of it. Well, Matt Michelle, I know you're not that guy. I've seen your no. dedication in person. I'm right there with you covering Kent State games late into the night, baby. I got you. <laughs> no, I don't go to bed by 10. No, at least, well, at least I, I didn't until this week when I was getting jet lagged from the Boise trip. So that was kind yeah, of funny. that is way different, Matt Merchell. Hold on a minute there. You're, you're fighting time zones. But, anyways, <laughs> tell the people where you can found, be found, my friend. Uh, you can uh, check out my stuff at OrlandoSentinel.com or you can call me on, on X, Twitter, whatever you call it now. It's the OS Matt Merchell. I got some good stuff up. I just put up a feature on Colton Boomer, uh, yes. the UCF. Uh, kicker uh, got a chance to really kind of follow him for a couple of days. Really good, good stuff there. And then obviously we got lots of stuff on on John Rice Plumby being out, Timmy McLean's debut. Um, you know, and then you know you got Villanova game on Saturday. And uh, we also got my colleagues got great stuff. Edgar Thompson for the Gators. You know, obviously got a lot of good stuff following them as well. I'm I'm planning into running into Beebs at the Magic event uh, on Friday here. So the you know yeah he's gonna be there. He's gonna be. I mean, he. I talked to him the other day when I got back from Boise. He was, he was. Uh, he said it looked like it was a good trip. So we we chatted a little bit. So he's. Uh, it's always good to catch up with everybody. Oh, it's always fun to see Jason B. You doing his work for the Magic with the Sentinel as well. I'm plugging everybody, Matt Marshall. Plug everybody. Get everybody in there. <laughs> An honor, joy, and privilege, my friend. We could go on, but hey, listen, we gotta leave something for the press box. I'll catch you later, brother. <laughs> All right, man. I'll catch you to the press box this weekend. Take care, Matt. And listen, always fun to talk college football with a great mind. But ladies and gentlemen, listen, this is this is a fun, I'm looking forward to this one. OK, normally when I talk Chiefs, I have our own Brian Paul BP on the show. But this man is a vibe all his own that I had to get in. The only reason I don't have my peanut chocolate peanut butter stout ready is because I've been sick all this week and playing hurt. But this dude is ready to go to have a bit of a party with me. My man of IOW Sports, Wildcard Ma. What's going hey, on? My man, Kyle, man. Hey, and as promised, my man. Am I ready? Beer in hand. Let's get uh, to it, my brother. <laughs> all right, you got yours, dude. Listen, I'm just getting over a big stomach bug, man. So that's why I don't have mine. I, I listen, just pull, just. Just take a sip in my honor while I get your intro going. We'll be all set, my guy. And hey, well, that was good-ish, bro. I respect that. That's, that's, that's a good fruit. I ain't going front on that. Always, always. Pretty good uh, choice over here. Hey, man, listen. I, I, I Half the reason you're here is because you're tasting in libation advice, brother. I get you. Oh, <laughs> uh, listen, man. Um, let me let me get the tough stuff out the way. Yeah. Um, The good news I have for you is on the Huddle Up podcast where my buddy EJ Christian still had your Chiefs uh, second overall in the power ranking despite the loss in question. And that's a lot of love. <laughs> I, I, You know, but I think it's well-respected. I feel if you had Travis Michael Kelsey in the roster, if, <laughs> if Kadarius Tony doesn't act oh more like gosh. he deserves a Tony Award. Butterfingers. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like y'all still win that football game. But um, here's the thing. 
And well, I mean, that's a, let, me, let me start with that. Do you agree with that analysis that if either one of those things are different, you in fact have a victory? I, I definitely, uh, well, I'll say this. I, I know we did miss Travis Kelsey, especially uh, Patrick Mahomes. You can see the frustration in his face sure. um, after Cats kept dropping the damn football. And they're like, he's like, man, I wish 87 was out here. I wouldn't have this issue. Um, but I'll say this. Uh, if now the pick six, it was, it happened so early in the third quarter, the Chiefs, you know, they were able to get past it. Uh, it was the drop that was right before the two minute mark. That's what really killed them. Um, because uh, I looked at that and I looked at the all 22. If uh, Kadarius catches that, he has a linebacker trailing them. <laughs> the linebacker's not not catching him. And the only person that probably could have caught him was C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Otherwise, he he definitely gets in field goal range, possibly gets paid dirt. So that one was, to me, uh, was more costly than the pick six, ironically. Uh, you know, I agree entirely because Patrick LeVon Mahomes II went all Patrick LeVon Mahomes II and scored the touchdown right before the half to the tight end that wasn't Travis Michael Kelsey. So I yeah. thought he canceled that out pretty well. I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so, I mean, hey. It is what it is, man. Uh, so I, I'm hoping that Travis could get uh, on the field this week. I haven't really uh, uh, been hearing any kind of news on, on his health. So who knows? Yeah, I feel like that's been kind of kept quiet, too. But as we record this, it's only Wednesday. Who knows what's going to drop here in the uh, practice report here on True Thursday that. or Friday. But and this is the part that frightens me as somebody who covers the Jacksonville Jaguars. I would have loved to see a 2-0 so I have a chance to cover a playoff game again. But, man, you got Big Sexy in the middle coming back, man. Chris Jones coming back just in time for the Jacksonville Jaguars to not already have issues in the interior line, but Brandon Treff is injured as well. I mean, from from <laughs> from, from a scale of Sonic the Hedgehog to Miley, Miley Cyrus, what kind of a wrecking ball is he going to come in as here this weekend, man? I'm worried about that. Uh, to be honest, um. You know, I, I didn't know the status of, of, of the Jacks, Jacksonville Jaguars online, but you're welcome. I was I was already well, I was already looking at at it this way. I was looking at the fact that uh the Chiefs just went up against a good uh O line in Detroit and they, they fared well um uh you know in the trenches. Um they weren't able to obviously to get pressure up the middle, uh little to none, obviously for obvious reasons. Um, but he's back. And I'm thinking that, uh, you know, he, he, he's ready to quiet all the noise around him. So I'm expecting a huge game from, from Chris Jones. I, I, to me, there's no, other, there's no other way to play coming back off the holdout. And, uh, you know, things were said on social media. And, and uh, you know, uh, if you ask me, I think he took bad advice from his agents. But I, I'm no expert. I mean, that. you know, we, I mean, we ain't stockbrokers over here. No, I hear you. But I, I mean, look here, man. Listen, as somebody with a little bit of a retirement portfolio, I'm willing to tell you, I agree. I don't think he had the best uh, what yeah. happened. But listen, sometimes you fight the law and the law wins, man. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at least he's getting more than a running back. Am I right? Anyway. <laughs> soon was that? And, and no, nah, never too soon. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fat guy. I spent so much time protecting them. It's a, it's all right. I I I I'll get my goodwill back. Anyway, hey, gotta get it in. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Um, but see, I, I like what you mentioned about the 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 intangibles, the 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 other factors there, because I think this defense on the whole is going to get a lift, and I don't care how great Calvin Ridley's return to action was, which I wrote about as a, a member of the Jaguar report of SI. Bing! 
Another plug. <laughs> Listen, man. I, 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 your logo is flying, flying free on my show, too. That's what we do here. Anyway, by the way, I saw how much you were nodding at my Michael Penix point. That touched my heart. Thank you. Bro, hey, Michael Penix was doing this thing in Indiana, and uh, they somehow couldn't keep him there. And uh, I, I, when I saw him two years ago, or, or last year when he went to uh, UW, I was like, oh, here's Michael Penix. Oh, he still has an arm. Oh, he's still good. Okay. <laughs> and by the way, he's not playing against Big Ten caliber defenses, so there's that. I mm -hmm. mean, hey, showcase your skills. Why not? <laughs> I mean, this, that's the kind of stuff that gets you that long flight to New York. Anyways, um, no disrespect to uh, Matt Merchell, you know, talking about Jordan Travis and Marvis and Harrison Jr. getting there. That's all great. But I think Penix is it. I, I'm on record. I said what I said. If it's not Caleb Williams, it's going to be Michael Penix. Hey. Listen, I was I, I was critical of Washington last year, yeah. but there's something about them this year that I like better coming in. Anyways, enough yeah. about the tangent. I'm all I'm all crazy. Hey, but, all um the lift that the Chiefs could get on defense is just in time to get what I think is an explosive skill player core for the Jags. I mean, I I can make the argument, Mar, that for the first half of the season, this is the most talented skill set of players that you'll come across. Am I nuts? Uh no, you're not nuts cuz if you look at if you look at the division uh, that the Chiefs play in, um mm -hmm. there's really not uh too much skilled in Denver, let's be honest about that situation. And Jerry Judy's out. And, and he's I out. Yeah, he's out, so that's pretty much your skill position right there. Um, the Chargers, I'm expecting an injury from Mike Williams and Keenan Allen at some point in time. You know, it's going to happen sooner or later. Uh, and the Raiders, uh, you just got Devontae Adams and then you got uh, Josh Jacobs. But Chris Jones is back. He can neutralize Josh Jacobs. So that leaves that. Um, outside the division in the conference, you know, hey, Jaguars got it. Come on. Evan Ingram, he, he earned his uh, contract extension. Uh, mm -hmm. Calvin Ridley had a hell of a game for, you know, pretty much almost a two-year layoff. Uh, didn't if he really... didn't step out of bounds to set up the Zay Jones touchdown, he would have had 102 touchdowns <laughs> for that. Hey, he bought. Zay Jones did well. And did Zay well. Jones is one of those undercover right receivers that don't get a lot of recognition. But I know he's kind of bounced around the league a little bit. But, hey, he's still a solid receiver. Hey, listen, no. I got I got a guy to win a few games in fantasy by giving him up as a sleeper. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and um, believe it or not, I know uh, Christian Kirk numbers didn't look too sexy last week, but he's still viable to get off. Uh, Travis Etienne did well. So, hey, hey, look at the collection that, that the Jaguars have. You definitely uh, got some good skilled players that can get the job done for sure. I think the main thing we know about this game is take the over. Do you agree? <laughs> uh, well, uh, it depends on where, where Vegas has the uh, has the number at because – in two matchups last year, you're looking at probably around, you know, 53-ish, 48, 49 points combined uh, in both games. You're talking about a one-possession game in the regular season and in the playoffs, like 27-20, I believe. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember if they end up having the same score uh, in both instances. But you're, you're almost looking at, you know, 47, 47 to 54 in that range of, of where both games kind of landed at last year. So, it depends on where Vegas puts it, uh, and and I'll make my judgment uh, on Sunday where I should put my money at. To be honest, that's fair. It's only Wednesday, but here's let me tell you, let me tell you why I think so. First of all, the Jags, even though with no disrespect to Marvin Jones, please, 
um, are that much better with Calvin Ridley, um, are that much better at the running back position because, listen, I, I am going to eat more crow than any scarecrow in any Wizard of Oz scenario ever on how wrong I am about Tank Bigsby, and I'm just going to keep admitting it so people don't talk that much trash. I'm controlling the narrative. It's me, hi. I'm the problem. It's me. That's called the Taylor Swift defense, Mar. I am not ashamed. Hey, no shame, bro. No shame. Just like you're here with your black and mild. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. Anyways, that's right. I Taylor Swifted you. Um. But on top of that, uh, that not only do the Jags have more uh, skilled players, I think also Arden Key, for example, elements of the Jags pass rush that made somewhat of a difference, even though they couldn't even get to um, um, Chad Henney in the yeah. playoff game in question. Um, yeah. You know, that offensive line is not made up of the same elements and familiarity with Jawan Taylor might be a factor. I, I listen. I'm not one of these that, as a lineman, I'm not one of these guys that cries and whines about his gimmick. He found a way. Listen, you know, this isn't Bill Belichick. You know, yeah. this, is, this is a dude consulting dudes. Hey, can I do this? And, you know. Hey, end of the day, I've seen Lane Johnson do it. I've seen Trent Williams do it. I've seen some of the best tackles do it. If the refs aren't going to throw the flag, is it illegal? I mean, listen, brother. Uh, I, here's the thing: if somebody's leaving that early, here, let me let me show my credentials again. Bam! There you go. If somebody's <laughs> leaving that early as an offensive lineman, myself, that puts him at risk for a bull rush. So, if he wants to try that against Trayvon Walker, I'm going to be very curious to see how that goes. And, and it's, it's funny you say that, Kyle, because hmm. I'm looking at the fact that uh, you know even Josh Allen uh, walked away with three sacks last week, and Trayvon got his one. Um, I'm. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I uh, I know there's familiarity with with, uh, with Jawan Taylor, but I'm actually kind of a little bit slightly worried about more uh, with my other tackle on the left side. <laughs> uh, um, and it escapes my name, uh, Donovan uh, Donovan Smith. Oh yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, that kind of scares me a little bit because I and I I, I I BS you not. I was a little. I got some flashbacks of Orlando Brown Jr. last week with him. Where he, where he couldn't handle the, the speed rush. And there was a couple of times Hutch Hutch had a game, all right? Hutch had a game. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know they end up with zero sacks Detroit, but they easily could have walked away with four or five. And they attacked Donovan Jones' side on the left side uh, very well. Uh, he had a couple of holding penalties. And you're looking like – I'm looking at more like Donovan Jones and I'm, I am more worried about uh, Jawan Taylor because – even though he did get the early start per se, um, he kind of held his own a little bit against Hutch. So it was kind of like a back and forth between them. Hutch got him sometimes, and then sometimes Juwan got got Hutch. So I'm I'm more comfortable with with uh, Juwan Taylor on his side. I'm not so comfortable with with Donovan Smith on that left side. That's a fascinating take. Anyways, hey, we're always good to talk a little trench warfare with my guy. Anyways, hey, trench four eight. Trish warfare determines the the outcome of the scoreboard, and people don't need to recognize that. All right. Well, hey, you know what? You know who, who another credible source of that information comes from? Nick Sirianni. <laughs> you might have heard of him. He he told me the same thing. Anyway, <laughs> all right, man. That's that. Listen, that's a fun time, brother. You want to get these picks in? Let's get some picks in, brother. Let's do it. All right, man. Uh, first off, we'll open it up Thursday night. The <laughs> the Vikings head to Philadelphia Ooh. against the Eagles. Mar, who you got? Mm. 
Uh, well, well, I mean, some things, you know, change and some things remain the same. It's a primetime game, right? <laughs> if I'm a bet, man, <laughs> hey, I don't care. I, look, I know the Eagles Eagles are a little banged up uh, uh, on their football team right now. I have some injuries from uh, week one, but uh, that defense is still scary. Uh, I think that offense is going to play a lot better than what they did against, uh, you know, they're not facing a Belichick, Belichick defense again. So um, I, I'm going to rock with the Eagles on this one. Hey, I got that from my dad. I appreciate you showing respect. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, listen, I, after seeing a team lose to the Bucks, do you expect to see me pick them over the defending conference champions? I can't do it. I, I too, have the Eagles. Packers, Falcons, Mar. Man, uh, <laughs> we wanted to see what Jordan Love had, and <laughs> we got some good stuff from him. <laughs> I mean, say what you want. And the defense, uh, you know, they they gave a, a, a lackluster O-line hell in Chicago. I mean, got to put that caveat in there. But um, the Atlanta Falcons, man, I, I'm i still waiting for Desmond Ritter to show me something that he belongs as a starter. Yeah, well. I'm just being honest. <laughs> listen, I saw him enough at Cincinnati playing in the American Athletic Conference. You could keep looking. I don't think it's there, but I, – <laughs> I interrupt you. Continue. Man. No, you're good. Um, uh, B. John Robinson did well. Uh, uh, you know, uh, he probably should have got more touches. But uh, believe it or not, I think I love their backfield. Uh, Tyler Algier kind of showed showed something that he's. Hey, don't forget about me. And uh, he has some production in that game too. Uh, B. John Robinson is going to be a beast. Uh, he's my dark horse to win uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, so uh, to be honest, I'm gonna probably roll with the Packers. I just just slightly. Uh, because their defense, I think, is a little bit more uh, gelled together than, than Atlanta's defense right now. Well, hey, listen, when you're talking garbage offensive lines, the only team that might have a longer history is, in fact, the Atlanta Falcons. I don't care how much they run the football. It's because that coach likes to. And if you do something a lot, you're considered great at it. No, I'm not, it's not me taking a shot at Dan Marino. I know he had to pass all the time, but that's because he had a good – that's not what I'm getting at. The punchline is this. Balance wins football games, and the Packers have it where the Falcons don't. That's right, Falcons. Your quarterback's so bad. I love what they're doing with Jordan oh, compared to Desmond Ritter. I, too, have the yeah. pack. Yeah. Um, go, Pack, go. Listen, man, is there any scenario where you pick – the Raiders over an angry Buffalo Bills team? Because that's kind of, yeah. Nope. Hey, hey, look, Josh Allen admitted, you know, admitted himself, had a horrible game. And 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 he deserves all the criticism for that poor game on Monday. Let's give the Jets' defense some credit. Oh, oh, oh. Would never discredit the Jets' defense. They played a hell of a game. Matter of fact, um, now that they had that significant injury at Aaron Rodgers' position, they kind of have to lean on this defense big time for the rest of the year. Yeah, I agree with that entirely. Um, what might be the toughest game to pick this weekend? We'll see as we go through. But the Ravens head to Cincinnati to battle the Bengals. Who you got, buddy? You know, uh, as much as we say a pissed off Bills, you got to have a pissed off Bengals. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you just gave a man two hundred seventy-five million, and he gave you eighty-four yards passing, and you pulled him <laughs> with about six minutes left in the game. So I'm expecting a, a pissed off uh, Bengals and a pissed off, matter of fact, Joe Burrow. T. Higgins did nothing. Uh, Jamar Chase really wasn't able to get off. So, yeah, I'm expecting them to uh, definitely come out firing on all cylinders. I'm going to rock with the Bengals on this one. Listen, the year before Joe Burrow completed the greatest statistical offensive uh, campaign with LSU in college football, 
history. I personally watched him get pissed off when defensive tackle Joey Connor knocked him on his butt in the Fiesta Bowl covering UCF. And that dude got pretty damn angry. So with all that in mind, uh, I'm going to take um, the Bengals, mostly because I don't think the Ravens can take advantage of the O-line woes uh, or excuse me, the Ravens can't take advantage of the O-line woes of the Bengals the same way Cleveland does. Yeah, I'm saying the interior defensive line for Cleveland is better than Baltimore's right now, something I didn't think I'd ever say this time 10 years ago. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> you would have never had that thought, right? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, Geno Smith and the Seahawks travel to the Lions against Man Campbell and Company Mar. Man, I, I hate to say it because I was big on the Seahawks. But they laid an egg last week. Only problem is they're going to a team that's feeling real confident about themselves in Detroit and their home, having the opener. Um, and believe it or not, man, in Arrowhead Stadium, there was a lot of Honolulu blue in the stadium. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm expecting a packed house from Detroit, and I'm expecting them to, to walk away with this dub too. Listen, no disrespect to Geno Smith. This is a guy that's overcome a lot, but I expect him walking out of that stadium with his kneecaps bit off. I, too, have the lions uh colts texans mar man this is uh this is almost mere image of a toilet bowl slightly <laughs> um but uh i can't if we if we're going by quarterbacks i like what i saw more with anthony uh richardson than i did with uh cj stroud uh so i'm i'm a, i'm a, on that factor alone i'm i'm a rock with the uh with the colts on this one I can't frown on that. Anthony Richardson is going to be a good quarterback if he stays healthy, and he had trouble doing that through that first game. Uh, moreover, this Texans defense is going to scare some people. There's a reason why the Ravens uh, keep getting complaints that they look so flat. That Texans defense is better than everyone's willing to accept yet. And I think D'Amico Ryans as the new head coach is going to make some noise here. I see the Colts going 0-2 after this game. I have the Texans. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I was leaning towards the Texans because of that factor, exactly what you just said, because uh, I, I can see Will Anderson uh, putting his name in the hat for Defensive Rookie of the Year for sure. No doubt. There's, there's no doubt about that, but it's a D'Amico Ryan's factor, uh, what you said, which really scares me on that pick for sure. Hey, but they got to score points to win the game, man. I, I yeah. see where you're going, too. Um, yeah. Your Chiefs head to Jacksonville this Sunday where I will be present in the press box. Who you got, my guy? I, I see it kind of going down like like last week. Uh, uh, I mean, last year uh, in both matchups. Uh, but here's here's my here's my thing with the Jaguars In both games. They got down early. So they were, you know, going up an uphill climb. Uh, they can't go down early in this game. Uh, they have to get it in front of the Chiefs early. And uh, even when you were on our show, I, I pointed this out again. I'm going to say it again. Trevor Lawrence has to get the ball control or the ball security under control. He has to. Uh, that's what I talked about it last year with it. And then first game of the season, he throws a pick and he, and he had a fumble. He didn't lose a fumble, but that ball security still scares me. And you picked the wrong time to have Chris Jones come back as well. So oh. uh, I'm going to rock with the Chiefs in a real close game, a one-possession game again, but I'm going to rock with the Chiefs. In the name of keeping my guests from being called the homer, I too have the Chiefs. Listen, buddy. I, I respect the trenches too much to pretend that Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to escape the wrath of Chris Jones. As it was, he was having to tiptoe around DeForest Buckner with great difficulty on a regular basis. And I'm pretty sure the Chiefs' secondary is far better than the Colts uh, on experience alone. 
Not to mention you have this real young linebacker. The dude looks like a college student still without his helmet on, but when he puts those shoulder pads and helmet, he's a badass. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, I, it's anyways, I'll leave it at that. Um, I have the chiefs, my man. Um, next up the bears head to the bucks. This is your toilet bowl, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I will say this: I didn't expect the one in no Buccaneers. I'll be honest about that. Um, but I will. I say this: uh, as much question mark as it is with Baker Mayfield, that defense I still have no question mark about because they still got a lot of those players that won the Super Bowl a few years ago on that defense. Um, and if you got that uh, going against a very uh, bad O line in Chicago, uh, I'm expecting Vita Vea to actually have a, a hell of a game this week. Uh, so I'm gonna rock with the Buccaneers on this one. Yeah, living La Vida Vey is how you're going to win this football game. I love that take 100%. Um, you better trademark that, bro. <laughs> that's from the hips, son. Um, but yeah, man, let's uh, let's roll with my new my new T-shirt. <laughs> I'm going to say the Bucks at home win the day. Um, the Chargers head to Tennessee. Mar, who you got? Uh, the good thing is uh, about the Chargers – uh, they're playing a a uh, an offense that is pretty stagnant over there in Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> the bad thing is, is that uh, you know <laughs> uh, their defense uh, was pretty uh, porous against two in them. But like I said, uh, Tennessee uh, they got to show that they can actually move the ball and and get in the end zone. Uh, but uh, I'm a, I'm a, I think it's going to be a close one just because um, you're looking at a bad offense in Tennessee and a bad defense. Uh, with the Chargers, the only reason why it's close is because I take Tennessee's defense is going to give fits to that Chargers offense. But Chargers walk away with it. It'll be a close one, though. Oh, listen, the Tennessee defense is actually good, and that's about that. Uh, all that is good about that Tennessee team, in my opinion. You put racing engines in a Pinto, it ain't going to drive all that much faster. All right. Listen, here's the thing. I think I think you're being a little too harsh on the Chargers defense. That Miami offense for real, bro. You can't it be counting them that much. Um, that being said, you're going from again, you're going from a true sports car to Tannehill. But yeah, I and, and I, I get what you're saying, and and that's why I'm thinking that uh, it should be a bounce back week for that Chargers defense. Um, you know, it it just scares me. Because when you see that Chargers defense goes go against elite offenses like they did against Miami, that's when you you run into uh, situations where how, how are we going to stop them? So they got to get that fixed because you got to see Patrick Mahomes twice a year. So you got to get it fixed. To your point, um, that offense looked pretty balanced for the Chargers. I expect Henry to have a lot bigger factor in his own way. Um, yeah, we'll leave all that at that. I too have the Chargers, and I maintain that my prediction of only seven wins for the Titans wasn't all that bad, no matter what the general or Cortland Griffin said. Shout out to my guys at the three-point conversion. Anyways, they got mad backlash when they read that article that I dropped for the preview on the three-point conversion. Bing! Anyways. <laughs> that, listen, that still sells papers. Sell it. Sell it. <laughs> By the way, Mar, I apologize in advance. We were both completely wrong. Here's your toilet bowl this week. The Giants with the alleged coach of the year that actually should have been Doug Peterson and Brian Dayball heading Ooh. to Arizona. Who you got? I, my goodness. Uh, I know the Giants are happy that they uh, <laughs> get, to go, get to face a, a team like, a, like the Cardinals. 
Um, because uh that 40 to nothing uh, uh beatdown uh just whoo uh yeah talking about uh expectations that they didn't live up to that was definitely the game uh for sure i get it they went up against a good dallas defense which is which is legit mm-hmm. um but hey here's the here's where you got to redeem yourself if you can't get the ball moving on a bad arizona team then we have major issues uh so giants you gotta take care of business i know they they can't uh the cardinals gave Washington a little bit hell, but you're slight. The Giants are slightly a, a bit of better team than the Commanders. Yeah, slightly. It it, it, it ain't much, especially <laughs> if you're going off week one. It ain't much. After but, all, you know the only way you can have more L's than uh, Daniel Jones is if you have Sam Howell. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> <got him>. uh, <laughs> by the way, as somebody who covered a team that was known as tanking for Tua. When yeah. I was writing for the Dolphins wire, Mar, this team looks worse. I'm going to pick the Giants just on general principle. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, the Niners and the Rams, Mar. Hey, uh, I wasn't expecting the Rams to perform like they did last week. I'll be quite honest. Uh, they went into Seattle. Um, I'm pretty sure they heard the noise. A lot of people were not expecting anything for the Rams. I was, I'm expecting six, maybe five wins from the Rams. Uh, they got one, so they're already, they're already uh, on track to uh, beat my predictions. Uh, but uh, the fact that they are going against the uh, Niners, uh, this this their second road game, and they're not scared to go to anybody's house. Uh, that defense looked real good, real good. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, uh, there's a defensive end that got pretty heftily paid, and Nick <laughs> Bosa, so he has motivation to go in there and outshine Aaron Donald. And on that matter, I'm I'm rolling with the 49ers. I can't blame you for that. By the way, you mentioned it being a road game. Do you have any idea how many Niner fans actually invade so far? It's pretty crazy. It's yeah. not the road advantage you would hope. And it's a beautiful stadium. It almost looks like an art museum on the inside. Yeah, it's, anyway. a beautiful, it's a beautiful stadium that they can't even get their home crowd to support them. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, it, it was a great Super Bowl. I'll leave it at that. Uh, I have the Niners. Over the Rams. Um, let's see, Jets and Cowboys. Mm. This is kind of a fascinating game. What do you think, Mar? Uh, bad week to get your, uh, you know, takeover for Aaron Rodgers, right? Zach Wilson, bad week, right? Um, and it's in Arlington. So, uh, uh, look, I know they're, they're going to rally around Zach Wilson, but that's still the same poor as O-line that uh, couldn't block nothing last week. Mm-hmm. Um, against uh, uh, you know the Bills, and I don't think the Bills' defense is nowhere close to as elite as the Cowboys' defense. Um, they are Parsons, not. <laughs> no, not even close. Uh, Michael Parsons might have a career day. Um, I'm rolling with the Cowboys. And just as much as Michael Parsons might have a career day, Sauce Gardner might. Uh, if people, I'll put it this way: if people are even a fraction of correct on deck as they think they are, you're going to see him throw some picks in this game. However. I don't roll with the haters on this um, because the Cowboys are get get this Mar are running the goddamn football, which is now, which is crazy, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, for all the trash that people talked on Mike McCarthy on how stagnant and boring his offense is, you know what you do with a team like this? You run a stagnant and boring offense. Things aren't so boring when that offense is putting up forty. Sure, it's with defensive help, but nonetheless, I too have the Cowboys over the Jets. The Red Tails, sorry, <laughs> will travel to Denver to battle Rusty and the Broncos. What say you, Mar? Man, oh my goodness. Uh, 
<sighs> what to really make of the Broncos? I mean, they, Sean Payton comes in, you know, they got the uh, the turmoil in the offseason, him talking about Nathaniel Hackett, and then you go and you thought that you were going to change Russell Wilson, and uh, yeah, he threw two touchdowns, but and the stat line looks good, but he really didn't really, you know, wow anybody. Uh, at offense, like we said, they're missing a lot of skilled players, um, and I think there's enough pressure from that front four on the commanders that can they can go in there and steal that win uh, from Denver and that's that's what I'm rolling with I'm rolling with the commanders on this one well I'll say this one when, whenever you're battling the red tails keep your money on the under when yes. you can here uh, for the most part um, here's the thing um, on one side I have Russell Carrington Wilson and then on the other side I have Sam Howell I see you're including Rusty's first name to get more L's, but the last name Howell has more L's. I don't care if you have Eric Bieniemy who has no L's in his name. His quarterback does. I'm going to pick the Broncos. Call me a Rusty Homer if you want, which don't look that up on Urban Dictionary. I haven't, but that just sounds like it's nasty. Um, with that in mind, I'm going to let Mar recover from my terrible dad joking and uh, head over to um, Sunday night. The Dolphins heading over to Foxborough to bow, battle Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I is there any way that this is close? I, am I the problem here? Well, <laughs> to be honest, because Belichick is a good defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. I I mean, defensive wizard, whatever analogy or metaphor you want to put on his name, he knows how to how to how to get his guys playing on defense, and. I'll be honest, he's had to his number since he's gotten into the league. Uh, that's the only factor and only chance that I think the Patriots might have um, because that defense pretty much primarily was able to keep them in the game against uh, Philly. Um, could you have more, uh, you know, um, more help on the offensive side? Of course, uh, but it is going to start slow uh, for Philly. I'm sorry, it's going to start slow on the defensive, on the offensive side. Uh for the for the Patriots, but I'm gonna give them the slight edge just because I think uh, Belichick can always come up with a good scheme to slow down Tua and slow down Tyreek. So I'm a slight slight edge. I'm gonna go Patriots in this. I appreciate your bravery. Um, I don't oh, share. It's brave. It's brave. <laughs> I mean, it's just too early in the season for this to happen because it's this time of year that you normally see some sort of silliness. Actually, when it comes to this game, you always see some sort of silliness, man. Listen. I remember my, my first year with the Dolphins wire. I picked the Dolphins to go to six and 10 and they went seven and nine and my editor beat me. And you know why? Because the stupid Miami miracle. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Like, you, you can't, you can't deny that factor. Yeah. That's why I ain't mad at you for picking the packs. This is that kind of game, man. This is the stuff that the Ravens and the Steelers used to be with Ben Roethlisberger and Joe Flacco and all that. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Even still, um, I'm going to pick the Finns. Call me a Florida homer if you want to, though that's not the reason. But, hey, here's what it is. Um, Saints travel to Carolina to battle Bryce Young and the Panthers. What say you, my friend? Yeah, good luck, Bryce Young. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, good health insurance. Um, uh, if, if you struggled with that Atlanta defense, uh, the Saints defense is far and, and above beat better uh, than that Falcons defense. Uh, still, uh, you know, when you got a picket fence as an old line in Carolina, they couldn't even protect them in preseason. So, yeah, uh, you better be able to get them wheels working 
Uh, I'm going with the Saints on this one. See, I love you flexing the football knowledge on this one here, Mar, and showing off why you're on this show tonight here on the Student of the Game because the Saints as a defensive team is something that still Fs with my head. You have any idea what I used to call them when Drew Brees was still on the team, Mar? I used to say they were the prom date team. You know why? Because they would they could score whenever they wanted and they wouldn't stop anyone from doing it but the punchline <laughs> is this that's not this anymore this is the best defense that Derek Carr has ever played with and you'll see it again By as far. we plant the Panthers you like that analogy though I could tell oh I do I dig it <laughs> I dig it baby make sure you tell Mel about that by the way I hope you guys didn't fight too hard after that Thursday nah nah he didn't rub it in my face too hard I, I, but I let him have his moment you know, uh, Super, I mean, Super, hey, Super Bowls aren't won in September. That's all I know. <laughs> hey, be be honest. If it was any other team but your own, you'd have been all about watching that ish. Oh, <laughs> come on, no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm not telling you that I'm 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 like I'm bringing out like the Stephen Stephen Hawking intelligence level takes here. I'm just saying that's that's a fact of the case. Okay, that's all. <laughs> hey, when you're right, you're right, baby. <laughs> Last game, the Browns do battle with the Steelers in Pittsburgh. It's not a doubleheader because they're competing with each other. I don't know what's weird. Yeah, I I didn't understand the NFL like really, you know, knocking viewership and splitting it in half. I I thought that was weird, but I don't know. And and listen, they're desperate to be. Here's what it is though: like the Steeler game is going to get that draw. Second, you know, second most popular team. Blah blah blah. The regional game they're having start first but they're assuming it's going to be garbage football, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, it's because it's the NFC South. I'm going full John Cena, and I blame you. There we go. Oh, no, I see him. That's the problem. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> ba, ba, da, ba. Um, Browns, Steelers, who you got, Mar? Um, on this factor, because uh, uh, Browns just lost a, 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 the tackle and uh, Conklin, um, that leaves uh, T.J. Watt, who had a hell of a game last week against uh, San Francisco 49ers. He did, but hey, uh, yeah, T.J. Watt is about to wreak havoc on that on that O line. Uh, Pittsburgh get their first win. Hey, listen, let me be clear. I might be a Niner fan, but you see who the man crush is on the wall. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. We respect the Watts on this podcast. Always got you to. Know, and, and yeah, I knew he was going to get some numbers. And no disrespect to the. Niner O-line, man, that's just a man, shoot. He's just a bad man. Isaac Hayes should do a theme for him. I don't care if he's white. Anyways, um, what? You, what? What? Who is the man? <laughs> TJ, what? He's going to come in and wreck, man. <laughs> he's going to do what? Anyways, um, you, so you feeling it? I feel it, uh, <laughs> See, I'm really just stalling because I don't know how to pick this game. You make a good point about Conklin, but let's be honest. Up front, in general, the Browns are nasty. They are. They are. Grow up real fast. Um, I don't know if they're Niners nasty or not. Um, I'm going to go with the Steelers because they're at the the uh, venue formerly known as Heinz Field. Um, but man, if the Browns win this, I wouldn't rule it out either. Um, you know, I know, I I know, I've been critical of the Browns because. I think Deshaun Watson has not embraced the role of the villain. But that being said, they're remembering that they're a run-first team now suddenly. It's kind of a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, always, always. And I'll say this about Deshaun. Uh, First half of that game, when, you know, he was looking like the Deshaun of of last year in the six games, still a little rusty. Uh, He got it going in the second half. But, uh, man, I hope hope he uh, is ready to move because TJ going to be on him. 
I mean, yeah, I, or I, you either hope he's ready to move or see karma at work in the form of a defensive backfield uh, invaded. Wait, <laughs> that sounds bad. Anyways, um, Mar, man, listen, in honor, joy, and privilege, we definitely have some last. I can guarantee to you the next time you're on the show, I will have my draft ready to go. As it is, my throat is shouting for dear life that my voice is still going. But, um, man, listen, what a time to have you in. Had a great time doing it. Talk some Chiefs with you. Brother, Boy. tell the world where you could be found, my man. Yeah, yeah. You can find me. Uh, I'm any and everywhere, man. Uh, but definitely you can find me, uh, ILW Sports Network on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, ILW Sports 1 on Twitter. Uh, you want to chop it up with me personally, Casey Wildcard Mar on the Twitter. I still call it Twitter, but regardless. Listen, uh, you, yeah. It's better you don't call it. You better you call it Twitter because you start using X and I'm going to get some like like bad dad jokes involving 90s and 2000s hip hop rap. OK, like hey. if, you get, if you get a direct message on that, is that called a DMX? I'm just asking. <laughs> hey, it's funny you said that because every time I, I want to say X, that's the only thing I could think of is, is the great DMX. So, hey, all that happens yeah. is that X is going to give it to you. <laughs> go give it to you. Go give it to you. <laughs> I, I interrupted you. Keep telling the people, baby. No, nah, no. Nah, I, I, if you can't find me there, you can definitely find me on 613 Faith Productions with the Man K Sports Podcast. And, uh, that's all I got to plug, man. But yeah, man. Hey, Kyle, always a pleasure to uh, chop, uh, you know, talk football with you. It was a pleasure to be here on your show. And uh, hey, uh, we'll, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. I, yeah, I, and I mean no disrespect to cool, but I, I felt a little diss that you and I didn't get to face off on the playmakers on the play callers show. But I mean, you know, that's okay. If if if, if they want to miss a good time, that's on them. Hey, it is what it is. Hey, we know who bring the views in this piece, baby. <laughs> but you know what, though? I, I talked that trash. There's no way I could have done it, dude. I still had a stomach bug thing going. I was I was out on Tuesday. Forget yeah, about man. it. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I enjoyed it. It was, it was great having you on, man. There will be another time. And, hey, listen, I love that you continue to subtly dunk on me being perfectly on time for my for my show. Well, I completely had CPT for yours, man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hey, but hey, if anybody can understand CPT, uh, it me. <laughs> hey, brother, an honor, joy, and privilege, man. We'll catch you the next time. Yes, sir. All right, man. My wild card, Mar. Prove it why he earned the namesake. Had the dang black and mild going just as I had hoped. It was a beautiful time uh, here on the show, and I hope you thought the same as you came in. Of course, I am Kyle Nash, a student of the game. You can find me on Twitter at the SOTG. Find me on Instagram as the same, the SOTG. Find me on Facebook as a student of the game. Check out my writings on the black and gold banneret as I cover UCF. They're going to be hosting Villanova here on Saturday, and I will be there for that action in person uh, watching Timmy McClain get the start and uh, hope to build up his uh, quarterback confidence. Also, I will be in the house at Everbank Stadium the next day on Sunday as the Chiefs head to Jacksonville to do battle against the Jaguars. Be ready for the Jaguar report of SI. Also there covering stuff with A7B in sports and the three-point conversion. Check out the stuff I get there in the locker room and post-game on the three-point conversion YouTube channel. That should be a fun time all the way around. And, of course, my work here coming up on Friday, the Duval Dive, my podcast with my dude Travis Holmes, that's going to be a fun time. 
on all the same places that you find the student game, you too will also find the Duval Dive. That should be fun. And if you miss all of it live and you don't want to waste the time to get it on demand of the podcast, I don't know why you wouldn't, but whatever, check it out on oldschool101.com Sunday at noon. That should be fun. Um, all the way around. Special thanks to my guy, Wildcard Mar of IOW Sports, and also Matt Merchell, the National College Football Writer for the Orlando Sentinel. But until next time, everybody, c- class dismissed. Dismissed. <laughs>